Hey everybody, this is Clover Chat, brought to you by the University of Minnesota Extension and the Minnesota 4-H State Ambassadors. This podcast was created to showcase all of the great opportunities and activities 4-H has to offer. Our podcast will include stories and interviews with 4-H members and alumni, information about 4-H opportunities, and we'll also chat with some 4-H experts. Hello and welcome to episode 3 of season 4 of the Clover Chat podcast. My name is Hannah and my fellow state ambassadors, Ibrahim, Lacey, and Hallie, are excited for this episode. Today on the podcast, we have the founder of the Minnesota 4-H State Ambassadors, Juanita Reed Boniface. Juanita, we are so thrilled to have you here to chat with us. Juanita, what inspired you to begin the Minnesota 4-H State Ambassadors? Well, I tell you, it was a lo- it's kind of a long story. <laughs> Well, you know, some of you, and we can just talk immediately, some of you were at the um, Farm Bureau meeting last a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we had a good representation of the ambassadors there. And that was one ex- that's one example of even back 55 years ago, where 4-H, amba- well, they weren't called ambassadors then, but we did have a, we did have 4-H Federation officers. And that was one example of the kind of, of of places that they might, you know, things they might go to to represent 4-H. Well, um, so we we were already doing some of those kinds of experience of letting young people, our 4-H, outstanding 4-H kids, represent us, be present at at a variety of, um, you know, agriculture events, um, extension events, so on around the state. Well, we had a very good delegation going to National 4-H Conference in 1967. And when they came back, um, they were interviewed on WCCO radio radio with Maynard Spies, who was the Farm Service Director. And he was so impressed with those kids. I mean, I was too, of course because I had was I had sponsored them and arranged for their trip that he said to me you know what you really need is a core of of young people like this who can talk uh, make appearances represent 4H tell the 4H story and really promote 4H because they young people are more believable than you old people. Well, I wasn't that old. So I was a little bit, you know, I was a little bit taken back by it. But he had a point. He really had a good point. And so he just really uh, encouraged me to figure out a way to put together a core of young people who could really represent, uh, take, represent, uh, you know, statewide 4-H and uh, tell our story go kind of that extra mile and giving leadership uh, to state events and so on. And eventually it happened. So how has the program changed from when you first started it to now? Well, interestingly enough, I come, I come to your orientation in the summer and I look over your schedule of orientation and I could pull out one from 50 years ago and say, these look pretty much the same, except for a few things. And I see what you're doing. I see you all at state fair time. That's one thing, time I always see you. And 
I see you doing the same things kids were doing 50 years ago. So some things have changed, but some things still stay the same. So <clears throat> what, what I see as changing is that you are doing more service-oriented kinds of activities when you have your, your orientation. We didn't go out in the community and do those things that you do. Um, you, um, you're doing more and you're learning more about social media, of course, and utilizing technology because that's, I mean, we didn't have that back then. And uh, so, you know, messaging, doing these kind of things like a podcast, well, that was would have been unheard of back then. So um, the help that you get in, in, in working through those, those um, new experiences and telling your story in that way are some of the different things that, that, that you're doing that we did not do. Um, and, um, but, you know, I look, at, I look at what you're doing all during the year you're planning yellow. Well, years ago, we used to plan. It wasn't called yellow, but it was the same principle. It was Junior Leader Conference, and the ambassadors planned that program and gave the leadership to the to the uh, to the whole event. Um, I see that you'd also do a regional uh, youth leader workshops, and I think those are called blue, and. Um, we used to do those kind of things too. Um, I see you helping at the auction and giving out ribbons to donors, recognizing donors. Well, that was also part of from the very beginning. Um, so there, it's it's. I I think the neat thing, the really neat thing for me, is that this program started out with the I when I was only given it to be a pilot program for one year. We made it work. We've kept it working for 55 years. We've kept the basic values and the basic intent of the program, but we've expanded and we've adapted as we needed to in order to make it more relevant for you who are ambassadors today in relation to what new changes and things have happened in 4-H. Was there like a certain moment or event that made you like, this is what I want to do? Well, <clears throat> right now we have eight 4-H kids in, in Atlanta at National 4-H Congress. And uh, I'm following their po daily posts every day. And I guess I would say that that was... I went to that event as a 4-H member. And I would say that was probably the single point in my life when I really decided, or I really was really aware, maybe, I should say, that I um, really wanted to go into extension. I wanted to work with young people. I wanted to work with the 4-H program. And I knew that that was going to be how I didn't know how the opportunities were going to come to me or where I was going to end up being. I certainly never thought I'd make, I'd be in Minnesota for 30 years, but here I am. And uh, <clears throat> so I, I've often looked back at that as kind of probably being the defining moment in terms of what was my career to be. Um, 
I could have been a classroom teacher because I was oriented towards education. But, you know, <clears throat> somehow um, dealing <clears throat> in the same classroom day after day with the same group of kids kind of seemed a little bit boring to me. And I really enjoyed working with 4-H because I could work with little little people, you know, eight, nine, ten years old back then when I started, all the way up to those who were 19. And, um, and so you got that broad range. You got the different kinds of projects. You got different kinds of events. And um, I, I kind of get bored doing the same thing over and over and over again. I think we all do a little bit. <laughs> well, I think you're right. And I and and to me that's one of the joys of 4H is there are so many opportunities and we can <clears throat> you know we can take different paths depending what our interests are, depending what we'd like to test out and see, hey, can I do this or what do I know about this or what can I learn about this? And um uh, that's that's the beautiful thing about the 4H world. Well, even on just the state ambassador team, I think there is a very diverse group of us who show, we go from showing cattle, showing horses, doing general projects. I mean, there is something for everyone. Exactly, exactly. And that's one of the, you know, that's really one of the selling points of 4-H. Is there something for everyone? And because we cover such a wide range, um, you know, kids in a whole family from the little ones to the teenagers can belong to the same club, get involved and meet the same, same friends and, um, and get to enjoy the, the, uh, the leadership from the older uh, youth leaders in the group. So I know you said you went to national 4-H Congress, but right. did you grow up as a 4-H'er from Cloverbud all the way up or what's kind of your backstory? Well, <clears throat> in the old days, we didn't have clover buds. We had what we called associate members. And associate members were those who were younger than, let's see, I think you had to be nine to join for a, be an official 4-H member. Well, my parents were the club leaders and I snuck in under the wire so I was, uh, so to speak. So I started 4-H at age, at age seven. And my first project was a all-white shorthorn steer. And I was, in, I was in 4-H then until I graduated, until I was too old at age 19. And I took a variety of projects I did a lot of demonstrations. I um, in in our state, I was a member in Nebraska. In our state, <clears throat> we had a music identification contest, and that was always one thing I enjoyed doing. I did a lot of consumer judging, and um, most my I guess my strongest projects were in the food pro foods project. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I grew up through the program. I was a junior. I was a junior leader. In fact, while when I was in 4-H, that was when junior leadership project was just started in our state. 
What advice would you give someone who wanted to start something new but didn't know how to? Well, <clears throat> let's see. I guess, first of all, you have to think about what is it that you want to start. And then you need to look around and say, who can be my helper? Who can help me with this? Who knows some, who do I know that knows something about this? Whether it's a project, whether it's giving a demonstration, whether it's putting together a share the fun act, no matter what it is. The course question is who can help? And you know, <clears throat> when I think about that, uh, I always do that. I still do that. There's not too many things I just take off and do on my own because I usually need somebody else's opinion or I need their ideas or, um, you know, sometimes I need their money. So, uh, <laughs> so there's always that thing, okay, I want to learn to do this. Where can I go to help and who can help me? You look for the look for the helpers. And you've mentioned like a bunch of things about like what you love about 4-H, but if you could choose like anything, what is your favorite part about 4-H? Oh my goodness, that's the hardest question of the day. <laughs> uh, well, <clears throat> it's gotta be the people. It's got to be the 4-H kids. It's got to be the parents. It's got to be the 4-H educators. I mean, um, that's why I go to the state fair. Number one is to see people and to see the people that I know. And especially to see people that were your age and were, you know, in leadership positions in 4-H 40, 30, 40 years ago, who are now giving leadership in other areas. And that's a real joy for me to see people that I've worked with and to see them taking on leadership responsibility in, 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 uh, in their adult life. So I guess, I guess that would be the way I'd answer that question. And then like you also mentioned that one of the most important things to create something new is like to have people help you. Who really right. helped you begin the 4-H team ambassadors? Who helped me with the ambassadors? Well, first person I had helped me was Maynard Spees from the radio station. And I give Maynard a lots of credit for, for keeping me, um, encouraging me and, um, you know, kind of saying, hang in there, don't give up. This is important, do it. Uh, but I also have to, I also give credit to, to the 4-H staff people that I was working with, you know, who were on the staff, who were on the state 4-H staff at the time I was doing it. Because even though the first year they turned me down, and even though the second year I had to, you know, hone things to come back, um, when they really just saw the results of what we had created, there was a lot of support and there was a lot of help. And so, um, and then I, I, I feel like I was in, um, I was in that kind of a job and in that kind of position uh, at a time when 4-H was highly respected. We had very good, we had very good leadership, strong leadership at the state level and throughout the state, lots of support from the legislature. And, and so um, 
there there just was a lot of encouragement and uh, you know joy about starting something new and and not being afraid to do it okay and you've also talked about like the reason you made the 40 state ambassadors but then like what goals did you have or do you have like for following years of 40 state ambassadors what goals do you have in mind uh, well i guess i'm i'm well one thing i'm i'm so excited that the program has continued you know there's a lot of things that we were doing in 4h 50 years ago we're not doing now but the ambassadors are there and that's to me is really is really exciting um so i guess i would i sort of think about it as kind of being the, the they're kind of like the national honor society of 4h you know because you're kind of that step above. You've achieved. You're all smart kids. You know about. You know the forage program backwards and forwards, and and um, and you take initiative in doing in doing things. So I guess I would. You know, my goal from the beginning was to to create that cadre of of young people who could build teamwork, work together, and. Um, tell our 4-H story wherever they had the opportunity, but give leadership back to the program and help and help other kids, you know, grow and mature as, as you have. So um, those still are what I really would like to see continue and, and to be really goals for the program. Attention all youths grades 6 to 13. Are you interested in blasting off into leadership? Well, do we have the camps for you? Blue and Teal are leadership camps that help youth engage and learn about all types of leadership and build a better understanding of what it is like to become a leader. If you are interested in attending a Blue or Teal near you, registration is open by December 1st. Hope to see you there. You talked a lot about how passionate you are about 4-H. Um, how has 4-H and like specifically the 4-H State Ambassadors helped you throughout different aspects of your life and skills you've learned over the years? <clears throat> well, I've I've learned a lot about in the process of working with the ambassadors, I've learned a lot about helping to really build strong, strong teamwork and strong uh, strong caring groups uh, with ambassadors. I mean, I'll tell you the, the and it, and you you are you're experiencing this yourselves now. Uh, you know, you really care about each other and you want to help each other out. And and um, that was that was I I learned more how to work effectively with young people to build that kind of, those kind of relationships. Um, and they were, I mean, um, Forage Ambassadors were a, a big support to me too. I mean, um, they could kind of tell when I was up or down or having a bad day and they would be encouraging and supporting of me. Um, as a matter of fact, when I was, when I was short of $1,000 for a down payment to buy my property, one of my forage ambassadors said, I'll give you the money. I'll loan you the money. And I didn't want to do it because I knew that was his school money. He said, no, don't worry about it. I want you to take this. 
Well, that was a big thing. That was a big thing for me. But it's one example of how the ambassadors really cared for me and have were supportive, and they still are. Uh, what would you say is like, you stated so many like memorable events you've had. And again, if what is like your favorite 4-H memory? What do you look back to and be like, that, that, that really did affect me and I really do like that moment? Oh, wow. <laughs> there, are, there are so many of those, so many of those. Well, you know, sometimes it's just when, when you get a note kind of out of the blue from somebody who you, you helped with. And they, they just, you know, you, you aren't expecting a note. You're not expecting to hear. And you hear a note and you get this note from a, for, a 4-H alumni who says how much of a mentor you've been for them and how much, how important it was that you paid attention to, um, you know, an individual who, uh, who kind of defined themselves as a country kid having their first experience at the state fair or having their first experience at, at um, you know, youth, uh, yellow, uh, and, and really giving you that, that word of thanks. And, and I think those are, to me, I've, and of course I've gotten several of those over the years, but that, um, I guess that's, that would be one of the things that's really been a, always a highlight. What is your biggest piece of advice you could give to us ambassadors as we continue our year serving as Minnesota State Ambassadors? Oh, my. What did I tell you in July? <laughs> well, I guess, you know, I, I kind of keep, I've been the last couple of years on this theme of legacy. And and the, when you think about the program and how long it's lasted, it really, um, it does really, you realize that it is an important, it is a legacy as a part of, of the 4-H program. And it's the one that I leave. So um, I guess my advice is to, is to support that legacy, appreciate it, and, and respect it. But the best thing you can keep doing is, you know, is that old 4-H pledge. And our 4-H motto is just in every project you carry on and every meeting you're with, every time you're working in a planning group, you always think about, am I making the best better? And and am I, um, you know, am I really using my head? Am I using my heart? Am I using my hands? And am I taking care of my health in this in this situation? Uh, I, I just think those are basic values that will carry you through a lots and lots of experiences in your leadership. I know that you just published a book. Could you tell us more about your book? Oh, my book. Well, it just happened, just happened that I had one with me in case somebody asked that question. <laughs> and yes, I did. That was my project during COVID. Was writing, writing, the, writing the book when we were 
you know, pretty well confined at home. So it gave me something to do because every week I got a question that I needed to write on. And um, so 52, 52 weeks later, I had 52 stories that had to be organized and and um, put into some kind of a reasonable format so that uh, so that somebody would enjoy reading it. So that was a big project and it was fun. Um, I write, uh, I write about, you know, my early years, my ancestors. I write about um, what, well, what it was kind of like growing up and, and school days and, and uh, holidays and, and um, fads of, of the 1950s when I was in high school. Um, another chapter is significant inventions. Um, a lot of lot of 4-H stuff, of course. A whole chapter on the ambassadors. Um, a whole chapter on 4-H livestock quality and uh, livestock quality assurance and ethics, which I which I uh, pretty well started that one. Um, and uh, then oh, then uh, other kind of just kind of. Fun, fun things, bucket lists, favorite sounds, favorite foods, favorite music. Um, but it was a fun, it was it was challenging. I'd never done anything like this before, uh, even though I'd done a lot of writing. But it was challenging and it was a, and the, when I got all done, I thought it was a really, it was a really good experience. I'm glad I did it. And um, I've been fortunate that I've been able to, to, um, sell quite a few copies and uh, that's always fun. I don't know if you said it or if I just missed it, but what is the title of your book? Oh, the title. The title is From the Sand Hills to the Big City because I started out as a little kid, three weeks old in the sand hills of Nebraska, north central part of the state, and eventually ended up in Minneapolis, where I always say I came from where there was more cows than people to a place where there's more people than cows. So that was a big cultural shock for me. Do you ever miss having more of the cows around? Yes. <laughs> However, the best, one of the good things was that I think that when I came to work for for Minnesota Extension <laughs> and Leonard Harkness was our state leader at the time, he realized he couldn't he could he could take me out of the out of the ranch, but he couldn't take the ranch out of me. And so consequently, all through my years, I always had some assignment related to the animal livestock projects, which made me happy. <laughs> um going back to like your book was there like a inspiration to like why you started it i know it was during covid but well yeah actually actually it was a christmas present from my son and and he gave me this and it was written using a program called Storyworth, and um, i knew nothing about it when i got it except that you know it was my Christmas present. So, <laughs> so, so that's, that was the, that was the formulation of it. Actually, it's something I had wanted to do. Or I knew I should do, 
my dad had written um had written well it's not in book form yet we're working on it but he'd written his story he would when he was uh he was a farmer and in the winter time when he'd be out working and then he'd come in the house to get warm he would write he would sit down and write something about growing up so um eventually my sister took all those pages of handwriting on tablet paper and and uh, word processed it so that um, we could put it together into a book. Well, we had enjoyed going back and reading some of his stories so much that I often thought, well, I should do something like that. Well, this gift really gave me the framework and the discipline, which I kind of needed to get at it and get it done. Thank you so much for joining us today, Juanita. It was great chatting with you. Well, that was well. You're welcome. I enjoy doing it, and uh, I'm glad we were able to work this out. Clover Chat is brought to you by the number four, the letter H, in the color green. For our next episode, we'll be chatting with foragers from California. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the podcast. See you next time. Minnesota 4-H is a youth development program of the University of Minnesota Extension and is for youth in kindergarten through one year past high school. 4-H'ers participate in hands-on learning experiences, STEM, leadership and civic engagement, animal science, creative arts, and so much more. To learn more about 4-H, please visit z.umn.edu slash 4-h.